Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. In 1997, this college, the university, under the supervision of the college, entered into a partnership with a school in Hong Kong. You've probably heard us mention it before, and that's Bethel Bible Seminary. And those were the days when uh, the days of Hong Kong being a British protectorate were ending, and the then principal of this school, Andrew McRae, had a concern uh, that, that that school be supported, and so this partnership was forged then and it has grown in many ways over those years. We have seen a few presidents come through, um, and the year that I began, 2019, uh, was the year that their current president began, also in 2019. And so we used to have visits back and forth. Um, Our own Harry Gardner has been, of course, I think at least once, maybe more than once, twice. Um, But COVID, of course, put an end to all of those sorts of things, and now we're able to reawaken the ability to visit. I want to welcome President Wat Wai Ho, um, who is here with us. And please Good morning, everybody, and thanks so much I can be here. Greeting for all professors and students on behalf of Hong Kong Bethel Bible Seminary. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm scared to death, should I tell you. Uh, I have to preach in English to you. I haven't preached for, in English for more than 30-some years. Uh, I'm not sure you can understand my Chinglish. <laughs> I'm so sure, I'm so thankful that my Jesus, my Lord, he doesn't only understand English, but also Cantonese and Chinglish. <laughs> I'm not sure you understand what I say. But I'm so sure you will all easily remember my name. I still remember 40 some years ago when I went to study in Fuller. People asked me, what's your name? I said, Benjamin. Ben- uh, last name, what? 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 <laughs> what's your last name? What? Benjamin what? Uh, yes. Uh, that truly really happened. Uh, <laughs> So I always have happy time, and uh, until the year I graduated in '94, they still making that job with me. <laughs> yeah, may the grace of God be with all of us, giving us passion to love Him and to serve Him. We are grateful for God's guidance and the invitation of Dr. Robbins, the president of Arcadia Divinity College, that we to worship together with all of you. I think it's truly wonderful, although we are coming from different parts of the world. But we worship the same God and receive the same vision to serve Him and direction. For over 20 years, we have been connected to serve God together in the Ministry of Theological Education in China with one heart. Once again, we sincerely thank Acadia Divinity College for their soundness, support, and help in our seminary. This partnership is especially important in Hong Kong, which is amidst the storms and pressure 
I believe you heard many things about Hong Kong in the past few years. Many people are pursuing their dream elsewhere, resulting in a shortage of pastors in Hong Kong churches. We have a statistics. We have a shortage of more than 20% of pastors in churches. We have a hard time, economically, politically. But for Bible Seminary, firmly stays in Hong Kong, and of course, face a lot of pressure and unpredictable, unpredictable changes. Your help is truly our crucial support. In the past few years, in my prayers, I often ask God, Lord, why did you choose me and send me to this position in this time? What do you want me to do for you? In First Peter, uh, uh, may I have the PowerPoint? Uh, this is like usually you want something, it doesn't there. One more, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in First Peter, in chapter one, clearly say that this letter is written to Christians living in the lofty part of Asia Minor. At the same time, the church was facing difficulties and persecution. In the midst of persecution and difficulty, Peter encourages believers, including us, to hold on to our identity as children of Christ in our faith, to serve God with a faithful heart. So let us, as a chosen and called people to God, reflect on what God's plan is for us in this unique historical context. With what attitude should we respond to God's calling and serve Him faithfully? And humbly. We are chosen by God. Peter clearly proclaimed that we have been chosen according to the fourth knowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter reminds us to clearly affirm our identity as children of God, chosen according to the fourth knowledge of the Father. Just as when we enter a theological seminary or school, I think the school will carefully examine our calling experience before we are invited, accepted to join the serving team in the church. They really want us want to know how our knowledge how our willingness to follow God's calling, isn't it? We are chosen according to our Father, upon according to God's predetermined plan to be His servants and lifelong team members of His gospel work. Why did God choose us? We may not fully understand, but we firmly believe that it is God's will and there must be a reason from the Lord. It is all by His grace. Please. Just as in 2 Timothy, I mean, he is saying that He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. It is God's purpose and His grace we are chosen. This is my feeling. We are not worthy. We have nothing to boast about, but only His grace. 
Just like in Luke 15, the prodigal son, we all remember. Far away and in a state of sin, returned. When the father saw him, he was moved with compassion, ran to him and kissed him repeatedly. I mean, the center of this scripture tells us the love of our father. The prodigal son had committed serious sin and now returned to his father. Couldn't the father reject him, judge and accuse him, and shame him? No, no. The father was moved with compassion, genuinely and actively ran to embrace his son, kissing him repeatedly. This is the father's love for his son. And this is, it is exactly God's love and acceptance to all of us, we have been chosen. It based on our own character and ability. Who among us is worthy to serve God? Who is worthy of standing on this platform of service? We are called and chosen to be God's servant. All of it is God's love for us. I deeply believe that every minister has an unforgettable experience of being called and clear remembers their response to serve God. I still remember in the summer of 1978, I attend church as usual, worship as usual. In a particular Sunday worship, I couldn't even remember who was the speaker and what the sermon talked about. In the worship, we had the Lord's Supper. When I took the bread and the cup, I was deeply moved by the Spirit and the love of God. Deeply felt that I was holding the body and the blood of my Jesus. The Lord Jesus died on the cross for me. How can I live just for myself? How can I not serve him with my whole life? There was no direct calling from, a, from the speaker, no public declaration of commitment, only the voice of my Lord and my private conversation with him. I held the bread and the cup and continued to cry. It was so embarrassing. No one else know why I was crying that bad. <laughs> I silently, I remember clear, I silently said to the Lord, Father, if you want to use me, I'm willing to offer myself up and use the by you for my entire life. That was my decision in that year. Until now, God's love still with me. And there was no change in my heart to my Lord. The Lord's calling will not appear only once. This is my experience and my belief. In different critical moments of my life, and sometimes in the dark valleys of my ministry, there will always be gentle reminder and encouragement from my Lord. The Lord's voice repeats and reveals again and again, becoming the healing of my wound, the driven force of my lifelong services. I trust that 
it will certainly be a common experience for all of us as someone called by him. Last summer, I need to consult a physical therapist with acupuncture treatment weekly due to my leg problem. I still have the leg pain today. At one time, I was receiving treatment. I felt so painful and unbearable. I was mad and bored. How stupid I was to pay someone to torture me. <laughs> I decided to get up to pay. See, I'm still willing to pay. <laughs> I stopped the treatment. I decided not to come back anymore. But when I got up, suddenly an idea hit me. Yes, yes. It was so painful. But how about Jesus on the, on the cross? He must feel a hundred times more than my pain, isn't it? What would happen if he also said how stupid to be tortured here and he come down from the cross? What would happen if Jesus would respond to his physical suffering like this, like me? Tears keep coming out of my eyes. It scared the physical therapist. She thought she had touched me badly. <laughs> I explained the word to her afterward. By the grace of God, I brought him to Christ. And she now attends my church regularly every Sunday. Praise the Lord. The God, God works in every circumstances. He's there. He's in control. I have an experience like this repeatedly. These experiences are still life changing for me. Still motivating, still reminding me that God loves me so much. How can I not live for Him? In the movie Titanic, I believe many of you must have seen it before, isn't it? <laughs> I think we all would agree the most romantic scene was having the lover, Jack and Rose, stressing out the hair, <laughs> being on the ship. Remember that scene? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you when I watched that movie, I have tears come out of my eyes. <laughs> Not because of the romantic love. Please always remember our Lord Jesus Christ. He also did this. Not on the ship, but on the cross. For you and for me. This is how God encouraged me and repeatedly strengthened my witnesses, walk with me in my years of ministry. Yes, please. So let's be obeying and faithful to God. Peter also said we are chosen by God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit in order to obey Jesus Christ. Peter mentioned being chosen and obeying Jesus Christ at the same time. Do you realize that? In the full gospel, Jesus repeatedly called his disciples and says to them, Come, follow me. 
And there is a total of about 14 such instances. Those who were called to Jesus' disciple to be those who were called to be Jesus' disciples, immediately they gave up everything to follow him. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, and the tax collector Matthew. All of them immediately left everything to follow Jesus. Of course, they were exceptions. Those who were unwilling to give up their possession, or they need to have something they think more important than following Jesus in that moment, such as burying their father. They could not become Jesus' disciple. Do we understand the meaning of calling? To me, being called and being obedient are not two different words. They have the same meaning. In a Christian's life, these two words cannot be separated. What is the meaning if we are chosen but are unwilling to respond and not to obey? What significance would calling has in our life? The disaster of humankind begins in the Garden of Eden. Despite having everything provided and arranged by God, humans did not choose to obey and listen, but instead choose rebellion, disobedience, self-centered. The consequence was tragic. The disaster happened in the Garden of Eden, but salvation and redemption are accomplished in another garden. In the garden, Gethsemane, Jesus experienced extreme, extreme suffering, prayed endlessly, and his sweat fell like drops of blood. He begged his father, saying, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yes, not as I will, but as you will. We have been saved, redeemed, and we regained the liberation and freedom of life through Jesus' complete obedience to the Father. Yet not as I will, but as you will. God has different plans of each of us, I believe, and has different positions of service. Some are called to serve in church, some are as missionary, some in the seminary, and some in unique position in the workplace to be witnessed. The focus is not on where we are, but, but on you and me being willing to obey and faithfully follow God's plan and arrangement. As a chosen servant, we are willing and diligently fulfill our mission, serving God and working for the Lord. One more. Yeah, well, what's this? This is a box of very expensive and precious Chinese tea in my hand. It's for in memory of 200 years since the introduction of Christianity in China in the year of 1807. It was given to me by an old friend when I became the president of my seminary four years ago. 
It is a limited edition with only 1,807 copies. And the number on my tier box in my hand is 1,220. I want to use it to make tea for drinking. But my friends strongly warn me that it should never be used for that purpose. <laughs> he told me never to drink it and you don't even think about it. <laughs> I was so surprised. I asked him, so what do I do with it? He told me just to keep it. He's still, now he's still keeping it in my office. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you know what I share with you about this? Please. This is the motto of my seminary. Those who cleanse themselves from the latest will be instruments for special purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. We are made holy and fit for the Lord's use. If we become holy, we are God's instrument with special purpose. It's not truly be used by the law. If we are not willing to bear the responsibility and refuse to let the Lord use us, what use is it to be a holy and precious vessel? What is the purpose of becoming holy? Thank you. What is the real value of my expensive tear in my office? Just a declaration. <laughs> Lay there for four years, and I still don't know what to do with it. Maybe I'll give it to my successor. <laughs> give it to another then. <laughs> in Genesis. I think we all know, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son as an offering to him. And I believe everyone knows what had happened on the mountain. God prepared a ram to replace Isaac as the burnt offering. What is strange is that the Bible only mentioned Abraham returned to his servant and they set off together they lived. The Bible didn't mention about Isaac. It didn't mention Abraham, his son Isaac, returning together. Could it be that Abraham left his son on the mountain? It's illogical, isn't it? But why does the Bible only mention Abraham coming down alone? It's my own interpretation. Forgive me. Old Testament professor. <laughs> Let's remember. Although God replaced Isaac with Abraham, the offering should still have been Isaac. He has become a living sacrifice over the into God's hand, no longer belong to Abraham, but a living sacrifice in God and for God. Today, from the moment we respond to God's calling, we have become living sacrifice. Belong only to our Lord. From now on, we live for the Lord, faithfully serve Him with our whole heart to Jesus. Let's walk together in unity, always carrying passion in our heart and together 
experience God in our own in our services. In the name of God Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel Podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.